Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to News from the Torah. This is Leah Aroni. Today is Rosh Chodesh Tevet, the first day of the Hebrew month of Tevet. It is the fifth day of December 2021. It is the seventh day of the holiday of Hanukkah. And tonight, the eighth day, we will light the last Hanukkah candle. It is said to be the most powerful night for prayer when a simple Jew can do with his prayers more than any rabbi or saintly person. And there's so much power that each individual has on this night of Hanukkah, but also all the time. The story of Hanukkah is how a small group of individuals could overturn the mighty Greek empire and bring their Jewish heritage back against all odds when most of the Jews in the land of Israel actually gave up on their Judaism. And I really want to zero in on this message today. I will want to discuss in the first two segments the religion and state laws that the Israeli government is passing. The Israeli government is currently watering down the Jewish identity and the Jewish character of the state of Israel. And this is detrimental both for the future of the Jewish state, but also for the connection between the Jews of diaspora and Israel. So what I will do in the first two segments of today's show is tell you more about what the Israeli government is doing, but also what you can do, because many of these reforms are actually being carried out in your name. Yes, if you live in the diaspora, for example, the Kotel, the Western Wall, is being partitioned in your name. So we will discuss what these reforms are and what you can do to stop them what you can do to thwart them. And don't say, no, but I'm just one little person. What can I do? The whole point of Hanukkah is that a small family with five brothers, basically 13 people, got together and stood up against the Greek army and won. So yes, there's something you can do because as an individual, you have tremendous power. And in our last segment, I will share a beautiful story about the power of one person to influence somebody's life. How in one little moment you can turn and change the trajectory of somebody else's life. So stay tuned and we will discuss these right after these messages. How did a nice Jewish girl from Delaware end up living in Israel? Shalom, I'm Natalie Sapinski. Join me on my show, Returning Home. Meet different people who have moved to Israel. Hear their personal stories, their highs, their lows, and everything in between. Each week, we talk to experts on immigration and the process of moving to Israel. Listen to Returning Home every Thursday, only on Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome back. 
So in the past few weeks, I've been asked over and over again to explain what is happening with religion and state legislation in Israel. Why is it that the current government is considered to be hurting the state of Jewish character in Israel? And the more I listen to these questions, the more I understand that many people in the diaspora, many American Jews don't really understand what is happening in Israel. So I would like to take the next few minutes to explain why is this government so dangerous to the religious, and not just religious, to the Jewish character of the state of Israel. So the current Israeli government is a coalition of disparate parties from across the political right-left divide. That is supposed to be great because it looks a little bit like a unity government, but really it's not. Naftali Bennett got six votes for his um, a party. That means out of the 120 seats in the Knesset, he has only six. And he was appointed prime minister in a rotation scheme with Yair Lapid, whereby each one will serve for two years. The right-leaning parties in the government, like Bennett, Semina, and Gideon Saritz, New Hope, each received only six seats, like I said, whereas the Knesset threshold is three. You cannot be a party in the Knesset with less than three seats. So the current projections are that neither party will survive the next election. And therefore, both Bennett and Gideon Saar are locked into this government. And they can't really carry on the policies that they want. The other coalition members all come with a strong anti-religious agenda, including Labor, who is the former head of the Israeli Reform Movement serving as one of its members of Knesset, Meretz and Lieberman's Israel Beitenu. Finally, for the first time in Israel's history, this government includes an Arab party that actually belongs to the Muslim Brotherhood. On issues of religion and state, both Yamina and its coalition partners have a strong agenda to transfer power away from the chief rabbinate. In the early part of the, of the 20th century, a chief rabbinate was established in Israel even before the state of Israel was established, as a way to ensure that Israel has a Jewish character. Israel was declared as a democratic and a Jewish state. And for Israel to remain a Jewish state, there has to be a standard to what it means for it to be Jewish. What does it mean to be Jewish? And it has to be part of Israel's state nature. Otherwise, there's no meaning to being a Jewish state. And if anybody says that they're Jewish, and I consider it so, then this whole concept of a Jewish state is watered down. So for Israel to be a Jewish state, it has to be part of its government nature, not necessarily political nature, but part of the government. We have to have regulations for what Jewish means. Now, I know that many people in the United States literally cannot wrap their mind around this concept. Because Americans are so used to the concept of separation of church and state. And church and state never mix. But that's not the case in every country. There are quite a few countries in the world where church and state are actually not separate. They are joined. And for Israel to stay a Jewish state, religion and state have to be joined in a certain way. So what happened in 1947, before the establishment of the state of Israel, was that the various parties, religious and secular, got together and created something called the status quo. And the status quo established that certain parts of the uh, public nature of the state of Israel 
would be governed by religious uh, bodies like the chief rabbinate. Otherwise, there would not be a common mutual basis for people who practice Judaism and those who not don't to have a joint state. So, for example, issues of kosher, issues of Shabbat in the public sphere, issues of marriage and personal status were given over to the chief rabbinate to manage. And now what's happening is that the current government is looking to dismantle the chief rabbinate and take his powers away and transfer them out to other organizations or other bodies or just other rabbis. As a way of dismantling the chief rabbinate and undermining the Jewish nature of the Jewish state. Now, this is happening basically on three fronts. The first front is the total compromise. The second front is conversions. And the third front is kosher observance and kosher certification. So let's start with the kotel. Um, about 30 years ago, a group of women decided they, they want to pray at the kotel the way they want, in a way that is different from halacha, from Jewish law. Now, Israel is a democratic country, and anybody can pray any way they want. But the kotel, like every other synagogue, church, and mosque in the world, has a prayer tradition. You can't just waltz in and do what they want. But these ladies did, and they're called women of the wall. And for the last 30 years, they have been carrying out monthly provocations at the kotel. Why do I call these provocations? Because, like I said, they can pray any way they want, anywhere they want, as long as there are no other established prayer tradition, and as long as there are not thousands of traditional worshipers who would like to uphold the tradition that is in place. So, for quite a few years, until 2013, they would pray at a separate part of the Western Wall, and really nobody bothered them because nobody cared. But in 2013, about nine years ago, they came back to the traditional plaza and have been staging monthly provocations like one they had this morning, come equipped with television cameras and journalists to cover them. So Israeli government wanted to solve the problem and they created something called the Kotal Compromise. The idea of the compromise was to establish an additional non-traditional plaza at the Kotel, and that plaza would be for the reform movement. In addition, the two plazas, the traditional and non-traditional, would have a joint entrance so that anybody who comes to the Kotel now sees that their choices, and really that the non-traditional, the reform plaza, is equal in its status to the traditional plaza that we have today. Now, fact is that the Israeli government, actually then Minister Bennett, established a plaza for non-traditional player in 2013. But that plaza has been standing empty for the past nine years. Women of the wall don't really pray there. The only people who pray there are some tourists who come for bar mitzvahs. It's really empty 99% of the time. But the idea here is not about prayer. What this new reform plaza would give was this joint entrance and also a committee with members of the reform movement to run the plaza is to give the reform movement validation as uh, one of the recognized streams of Judaism in Israel. Now, I understand that many of the listeners may actually belong to the reform movement, but we need to understand that over the past 
60 years, the reform movement unfortunately has been part of the assimilation process in the United States. And today I just heard from several rabbis actually this past week that they as reform rabbis have synagogue boards with 70% of the people on the synagogue board not really being Jewish. They're either spouses of Jews or Jews who are not halakhically Jewish. So if in the 65 to and older population bracket, 70% of Jews today say that they identify with the reform and conservative movement. Today, in the 18 to 29 age bracket, that's only 35%. Where did those 40% go? Why do, in the generation of grandparents, 70% identify with the reform and conservative, and in the generation of grandchildren, only 30% do? And these are statistics from the Pew study done this year, by the way. What happened to those 40%? Where did they go? They assimilated. Today, they consider themselves Jews of no religion, people with very, very loose Jewish identity. And we don't want to bring this to Israel. We don't want to import this into Israel and make this official. Once again, people who want to practice Reform Judaism in Israel can. There are actually about 50 Reform synagogues around the country, about 10,000 members, and people who want to practice Judaism that way are welcome to do so. It's a free country. But to establish reform as a recognized official branch of Judaism on par with Orthodox, and once again be privy and be part to determining what it means for Israel to be a Jewish state in the public sphere, I think that would be wrong. So this is exactly what the reform movement wants, and this is why it's pushing for the Kotal Compromise and certainly balkanizing this holy space and baking our differences into its architecture, literally setting them in stone, is not the way to go. The other move that the current government wants to take is to privatize conversions, so that instead of having one gold standard for conversions, every city rabbi can perform his own conversions. And that will obviously water down the reality of conversions and create human tragedies where people who are converted based on lenient standards are not considered to be Jewish in other communities. And of course, that would take the monopoly away from the chief rabbinate, but create an untenable situation where people will not recognize conversions from one rabbi to the other. So that's impossible. So these are two central pieces in this current government's program for undermining the rabbinate. And obviously, I think there will be a tragedy for the Jewish state and for the Jewish nature of the state of Israel. And I think they need to be stopped. And after the break, I will talk to you how you can stop that. So please stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Shalom, everybody. 
Making a difference often takes just one moment and one person at a time. I am Orly Benny Davis, your show host on Israel News Talk Radios from Jerusalem with love. You'll be hearing people talking about politics, religion, social issues, and making a better tomorrow. Join me, Orly Benny Davis, for God and Country. From Jerusalem with love. Wednesdays on Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome back. So in the previous segment of the show, we talked about the current religion and state reform being passed by this government. We talked about the Kotal Compromise, and we also talked about the conversion law. Why I think that both of these will undermine the Jewish nature of the state of Israel and why they're wrong. Now, another question that I often get asked by Jews from America and Jews from diaspora is, Leah, do you think that we actually can say anything? And very often Israelis tend to say, you don't live in Israel, you don't get to decide. You don't get to serve in the UIDF, you don't get to decide. You don't pay Israeli taxes, you don't get to decide. And I absolutely disagree with that. Why? Because Israel is not a state of Israelis. Israel is a state for Jews. Israel doesn't just belong to Israelis. Israel belongs to every single Jew everywhere in the world. And every single Jew everywhere in the world belongs to Israel. So first of all, Jews from around the world have been contributing and investing money in Israel since the day of this country's establishment. This country could not have made it, could not have survived, could not have been built without the tremendous investment and contribution of Jews from around the world. It's the project of the entire Jewish people, not just Israelis. And I think the diaspora Jewry has paid its dues in investing and supporting the state in every way possible. So first of all, we have to acknowledge that. You know, it's interesting that this week's Torah portion starts with the story of Yehuda, Yehuda approaching Yosef and standing up for his little brother, Benjamin. And the Malbim explains that Yehuda means to be grateful. This is how Leah called him Yehuda because she was grateful, but Yehuda also means to acknowledge. And gratitude and acknowledgement come together. Why? Because people tend to reject the idea that somebody did something for them. Oh no, I did it all myself. When are you grateful? You're grateful when you acknowledge that somebody else helped you. So I think Israelis have to be grateful and acknowledge that diaspora Jewry has played a huge role in making this country be what it is. So telling diaspora Jews to shut up and sit down because you don't live here and you don't pay out taxes, that's just wrong. It's a joint project. We're all in it together and we all get to say what happens in Israel. But I think when it comes to diaspora Jewry speaking up, and contributing its ideas for how Israel should be ran, it definitely has to do so with a grain of humility. Very often, American Jews especially, have the sense of entitlement when they think they can come in and dictate to Israelis what to do. For example, three years ago, 
the federations the, um, of America held their general assembly here in Israel. And their um, theme of this general assembly was, we need to talk. And we need to talk really meant we American Jews have to tell you Israelis what to do to the extent that the, at the opening session of this General Assembly, the president of the General Assembly said, it's time for the responsible adult and the teenager to have a talk, whereby the American Jewish community was the responsible adult and the Israelis were the rebellious teenager. Of course, this kind of talk and these kind of metaphors are extremely offensive to Israelis who are actually living here day in and day out, who pay the Jews in blood for this country to be around. So for American Jews to waltz in and to dictate what needs to happen is extremely offensive. So I think both sides, both Israelis and American Jews, have to approach this conversation with more humility, more listening, and more ability to understand that both sides have a valid point. So that's that. Now, American Jews and diaspora Jews absolutely have what to say, but they have to say so with humility, like I just said. And I think especially on issues of the Jewish nature of the state of Israel, the ideas of diaspora Jews are important because the Jewish nature of the state of Israel is what binds us together. This is why this country belongs to all of us. Let's just think about it. What brings together an Israeli who was born in Israel, his parents were born in Israel, maybe even his grandparents were born in Israel, and in Jew in New York? What's common between us? That our great-great-great-grandparents lived together in the same town in Poland? But what if they didn't? What if your great-great-great-parents are from Poland and somebody else's are from Morocco? They don't even have a common cultural background that all of us were in the Holocaust. We weren't all in the Holocaust. And I think it's enough. We should really stop basing our entire Jewish identity on the Holocaust. We have to acknowledge the Holocaust. We have to teach the Holocaust. We have to preserve the memory. But that cannot be the whole stake of our identity. Our joint identity is based on the Jewish heritage, on 3,000 years of Torah and Misara, tradition and learning and Jewish observance and a common belief in God and a common belief in Jewish destiny. But we are a nation that has a purpose. And this is what brings us together. So if the Israeli government decides to water down the Jewish character of the state of Israel and to move it one notch closer to becoming a nation of all its citizens, what it is doing is watering down the connection between diaspora Jews and Israeli Jews. And I think that would be a tragedy. So if you have what to say on this issue, and if it is important for you that the Israeli government preserves the Jewish nature of the state of Israel, you need to understand that many of the reforms carried out today in Israel are actually carried out in your name. For example, the Kotel Compromise is carried out in the name of diaspora jury. And what Israeli politicians say is that if we don't carry out the total compromise, we're going to upset world jury. How do we, how did we get here? 
because the American reform movement has actually succeeded in branding itself in Israel as the aspirate jury. For example, several months ago, when the current government was putting together the government, when the coalition was choosing who is going to be which minister, the head of the American reform movement, Rick Jacobs, came to the Knesset and told Israelis that if the head of the Israeli reform movement, Gilad Kariv, will not become the minister of diaspora affairs, quote-unquote, diaspora jury will be very upset. I don't think most Jews in the diaspora have ever heard of Gilad Kariv or really cared what kind of a job he's going to get in the government. But this is how Rick Jacobs, with the reform movement, have branded themselves as diaspora jury. And of course, the current government is now using this language to push the coastal reform in the name of diaspora jury. So if you're listening to this program and if you're Jewish and if you live in the diaspora, you need to understand that all of the religious reforms in Israel, especially the conversion law and the Kotel compromise, partitioning the Kotel, are being carried out in your name. And if you do not want these things to happen, you have to stand up and say, hey, not in my name. And there are definitely things you need to do. So first of all, you need to educate yourself about the political developments in Israel and what is happening. And this was the first segment of today's show. Secondly, what you can do is help educate your friends. You can make this into a hot issue in your community. You can raise this at a Shabbat table or just talk with your friends about it. You can hold a parlor meeting. You can invite a speaker. But let's make these issues things that are discussed in the community. People should really care about them. And they can't care about them if they don't know that they're happening. Thirdly, I invite you to write a letter. Write a letter to Prime Minister Bennett. Write a letter to the Minister of Diaspora Affairs, Nachman Chai. Write a letter to the Minister of Religious Affairs, Matan Kahana, and tell them you do not support the Kotal Compromise. Tell them you do not support the conversion law. We can definitely put up the pressure. You can write an op-ed in Times of Israel and Jerusalem Post in your local Jewish newspaper. Let's make this a topic of conversation. Fourth, if you're on social media, I welcome you to put up a post about your connection to the Kotel and how you oppose the Kotel compromise. And if you do, you can actually add a hashtag. The hashtag can be not in my name. Okay? And there are organizations that work towards preventing religious reforms from happening. So find these organizations and support them. This is some of the things that each and every individual in the diaspora can do if you do not support watering down the Jewish identity of the state of Israel. It is something that every individual can do. And, you know, it's not enough to sit in the armchair, look at the, at the news, read the newspaper and say, this is horrible, I'm so upset. There's always something that somebody can do. And it's important to understand that in the world, things do not happen by our work. They happen through our work. We have to do what we can do. And then God runs the show, but we have to show him what we want. So if you do not want Israel to lose its Jewish character, its Jewish nature, and if you oppose these governments, religion, state reforms, please stand up and be counted. 
please take a few minutes to write a letter, to discuss it with a friend, to organize a parlor meeting, or to just post a post on social media. <coughs> it takes a few minutes, but then you can say, this was not done in my name. Stay tuned for that last segment of me. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. This is Shai Bentico, and each week I'll be webcasting to you from Judea, origin of the word Jew, a people besieged and beleaguered in every generation. Nazi Germany's but a memory, but in its place the world invented the phantom Palestinians as this generation's internationally authorized Jew killers. Tune in for a different slant on life in Israel. Phantom Nation, every Monday. Hi, I'm Rabbi David Aaron. The soul basics are the most profound, the most essential, and yet often the most neglected in our education. Join me for Soul Talk on Israel's News Talk Radio and discover the secrets to love, spiritual growth, and personal power. Tonight we will light the last candle of Hanukkah. It's a very special day. It's called Zod Hanukkah. And on Zod Hanukkah, every single Jew, even the simplest Jew, has the power of prayer that is greater than the power of prayer of any rabbi, any saintly person. So I suggest that you really grab this night and you really use it for prayers. And another thing you can do that I heard people have been doing in recent years is that on this last day, they write down all the prayers and wishes they have for the coming year. And then they pack that piece of paper away with your Hanukkah candles, with your Hanukkiah, until next year. Next year, you can open the piece of paper and see which of your prayers, which of your requests have come to pass. So if you want to do that, that might be a fun and interesting thing to do. Also add more meaning to your holiday. And I want to share with you a story I heard from Hani Lipschitz. Hani and Cheske Lipschitz are Chabad emissaries to Kathmandu, Nepal. Yes, they have a center in this very far off place. And hundreds and thousands of Israelis come to Nepal who come to climb the Himalayas past this Chabad house. So Hani shared a story in recent days that I would like to share with you. This story is about a young Israeli man by the name of Nir. Nir showed up at Hani and Cheski's Chabad house in Kathmandu about a week before Hanukkah, a few years ago. He came in wearing the red robes of a Buddhist monk, his head completely shaved and his arms completely bare. So he came in, and there were a lot of Israelis hanging out at the Chabad house. Some were sitting on a sofa, some were, some were um, getting something to eat, and everybody was you know, hanging out. So he came over to a group of backpackers and said, I'm not here to backpack. I'm not here for a trek. 
I'm not here to enjoy myself. I'm here to look for something. I'm actually here because I have had a dream for quite a few years. I've been planning to go to the Buddhist monastery and to learn how to pray and meditate. I have come now for a 10-week stay at this Buddhist monastery. And um, I'm going there straight from here. And I just came from the airport, so I'm not really going to check out the country. And Honey says that as he was sharing this, he was looking at their reaction, but they just smiled. And it was interesting for them to hear how this man shared that he was playing to be a part of the monastery. How he was literally looking to become a part of the monastery experience. So then Honey and Husky invited him to join them for a class. They were just about to give a class on Hasidut, on Tanya, and they invited him to join. He said, no, my guest house is closing early and I'm too tired. I'm just going to grab a cup of tea. I don't think I'm going to stay. But as they started the class, he was making his tea and then this tea was getting cold and then he was drinking the tea. And then he just sat down because maybe he was too tired. So in the end, this guy who didn't want to stay for the class stayed for the entire class. And in this class, they taught the 32nd chapter of the Tanya. The 32nd chapter of the Tanya is all about the connection between each and every Jew. It's all about how we're all brothers and we have one joint root, one joint source in God. Our souls are all connected. Only our bodies are separate. They talked about in this class about the mutual responsibility of every Jew for every other Jew and how every Jew is really an emissary to do something good for other people, do something good for other brothers and sisters, do something good for other Jews. They talked about the fact that if you have something, you have to share it with your brothers and sisters. You have to share it with the world. You can't just live on your own. So this Israeli guy near sat and listened to the class throughout the whole class. And before he was about to leave, Hani and Husky walked over to him and gave him a Hanukkah, a Hanukkah menorah, and Hanukkah candles and said, you know, Hanukkah is in a week. You go into the Buddhist monastery, but you just should have these in case you need them. And you know what? We're going to give you another set. You never know whom you're going to meet. So, and then they gave him their phone number just in case he wanted something or needed something during his stay at the monastery, and he left. So a year passed, and on the next Hanukkah, they were about to light Hanukkah candles. And all of a sudden, they see this guy show up. And he says, hey, do you remember me? And looking at this guy, he's wearing jeans and a t-shirt. Oh, Nia, right, remember, you were here a year ago. Cool, great to see you. So Neil pulled them aside and wanted to share the story of what happened to him. You have to hear this, he said. So Neil joined the monastery and started his courses in meditation and Buddhist prayer. And he liked some of the courses. He didn't like other courses, but he decided to stay there for the whole 10 weeks. After a few days, he noticed another quiet guy at the monastery who looked Western so he came over and they started talking. And the other guy answered him in perfect Hebrew. Turned out he was also an Israeli. This other guy was called Eitan. 
and is told near that he has been at the monastery for a few months now. He came there directly from the airport. He checked out where do all the Israelis congregate, and he specifically decided not to go there. He did not want anything to do with any of the Israelis. He wanted peace and quiet. He wanted to get away from it all, away from his parents, away from Israel, away from the Jewish culture. He just wanted peace and quiet, and he got it in spades in this monastery. He's been hanging out, meditating, and praying for the past three months, just being alone. He had a lot of questions, but he didn't find that he was having any answers. And he wasn't having a lot of friends either. But he was happy in this monastery. He was content. And he was planning to stay there for at least a few more years. A few days later, Nir was sitting in his room and he remembered that tonight is Hanukkah. He had the Hanukkah that he got from Hani and Husky at the, at the Chabad house. So he was sitting there and thinking of this tiny class that he heard, how all the Jews are responsible for each other, how everybody has to do things for one another. He says, hey, you know what? Why don't I just light these candles? That could be something nice, add more light to the world. But I don't want to do this alone. I'm going to call Eitan. So he walked over to Eitan's room, knocked on the door, and Eitan was deep in meditation. Neil walked in and said, look, Eitan, you're a Jew and I'm a Jew. And tonight is Hanukkah. Let's light Hanukkah candles. And Leighton was really surprised. That was the last thing he wanted to do. But then Nir kept thinking about that class he heard. Eitan is a Jew. I'm a Jew. And every Jew is an emissary. And every Jew has to do something for his brother. And here's my brother. I need to do something with him and for him. I have this other Hanukkah. You have to share what you have with other people. So I want to share this with you. So finally, Nir took out the other Hanukkah and he gave it to Eitan and said, come, let's let add some more light to the world. So Eitan looked at him for a few minutes and then he said, okay, fine, let's do this. And together they lit the Hanukkah candles. It turned out in the next room was another young woman who was Jewish and she was from Holland and she also joined them. And the three of them sat there looking at Hanukkah candles. And Nir told them about the class that he heard at Chabad House, about what it is to be a Jew, the connection between all Jews, and how we all have one source and one root in God, and only our bodies are separate. And she was so touched that she started crying. After a few minutes of more conversation, Nir got so tired he fell asleep in Eitan's room. He woke up a few hours later, and he saw Eitan standing there looking at the candles and crying. In the morning, Eitan packed his bag and left the monastery to come back home. Neil shared that he got an email from Eitan recently. Thank you. Thank you, Neil, for being such a good emissary. Thank you for being my brother. Thank you for taking me back to my country, to my family to my tradition, to my sources. Just think about this. One person who accidentally heard a class, one person who randomly got another set of Hanukkah candles, one person who cared to share his Jewish experience with somebody else, 
He didn't. He wasn't a rabbi. He didn't know anything about Judaism. He was just another guy passing through life. But he cared to stop and to reach out to his brother, to share, to be there for him, to have a joy in Jewish experience. And look what it did. It took this Jew out of a Buddhist monastery where he was planning to stay for years and brought him back to his family and to his heritage. We all have this power to reach out. We all have this power to share. So please take this day, this last day of Hanukkah, this day when our prayers are so strong, and reach out to people in your community, in your family, in your town. It doesn't take a lot, but invite somebody in to a Hanukkah house or reach out and give them the light of Hanukkah. And may this light of Hanukkah stay with us for the entire year as we're continuing to this dark winter. May these lights illuminate our path. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I look forward to hearing from you and seeing you next week on News from the Torah. Bye-bye now. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. Just click the orange button at the top of the IsraelNewsTalkRadio.home page, log in as yourself or an anonymous guest, and join in on the fun. You'll meet other listeners from all over the world who listen to Israel News Talk Radio, and you can make new friends. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. It's the closest you can get to being in the studio with us. We love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips with scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candlelighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.